Welcome back to the Leadership Locker, everybody. In this episode, we are going to cover business and client relationships. Eliza and I are going to tell you some of our experiences, how we dealt with them, what we did wrong, what we could have done better, what's too friendly, what's too out of scope, what does it look like, how should it feel. This is a really, really tricky area for so many people, and there's no way you could pretend to deny that. Uh, Business relationships are not as fluid as we anticipate them to be. You might be in a position where someone looks at you as strictly someone who is supposed to deliver their deliverables, and that's fine, but if you're in a service-based industry, if you are in a collaborative kind of situation like we are, and there's expectations and there's deliverables on their side as well, how can we ensure we put ourselves in the best possible position for them to succeed without being authoritative, you know, and telling them and and reminding them and saying, hey, have this to us by this time. Or what happens when, you know, they're simply not pulling their weight and it's affecting your ability to execute on the deliverable. These are the types of things that we are going to discuss in this episode, our second one together. Again, our goal is to have one of these a week, uh, but this is going to be fantastic. Definitely, definitely check it out. And as always, this is sponsored by Rich Cardona Media, where we film, edit, and distribute video content specifically for LinkedIn. Although you could repurpose that content anywhere you want. What we do is we help people who don't have a presence on LinkedIn yet. And we take all the guesswork out of it for them by recording, filming, editing, distributing, coaching, all of it. So that way you could succeed because you don't have time to learn. Do you understand? Like you don't have time to learn all these things. You can get exposure, but every single person who we took on that was not all in fell off the map the minute they stopped using us. So. We are here to help. If you'd like to help, definitely just hit us up at rich at richcardonamedia.com or Eliza, E-L-I-Z-A at richcardonamedia.com. Here we go. We, right now, are blessed in terms of we genuinely give a shit about our clients, like, really deeply. Yeah. they're fantastic people. We've all spent, we've, we spent time with them. Most of them, you know, offline, mm-hmm. uh, had great conversations, family conversations, whatever. And I'm not saying that is a goal that happens to just be the way things are operating for us. But I think it's worth discussing, you know, parameters and kind of, of a client relationship or, you know, or how to actually recognize whether the relationship the professional relationship is even worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've dealt with a lot of different things mm-hmm. since we've, <laughs> since, since we've worked together and it's been uh, a challenge with some of the personalities, but uh, let's talk about it. What do you, what do you got? Well, who wants friction? I mean, nobody signs up for friction. It's like signing up for a bad marriage, bad relationship, you know, like who wants that? You're going to run away from that as quick as you can. So why would you pay someone for friction? Like, why would you hire a service provider despite what they can do for you if it's combative and Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense and they don't speak your language and they have no care for how you're feeling about the end result? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for us, it's not just like how things have shaken out or how we're wired. Like, it really is like a value. I don't want to work with people who I can't put my feet in their shoes Mm -hmm. and really internalize like, 
your outcome is just as important to me as if it were my own. Mm -hmm. Like that's how we do our best work here. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing too is how for us specifically and others like us in this space, how are we supposed to engender vulnerability, which is kind of the key asset to really opening the door to building relationships. How are we supposed to do that if we're doing it behind like, you know, this shrouded mystery of like professionalism? This is, this is good. I, yeah. I love doing this because it just makes my mind spin. Yeah. Let's rewind though. Yeah. You've said to me multiple times about yeah. the first person, first client I ever had, who's no longer a client and, and not an issue, but you're like, that was your ideal client then yeah. and not now. Yeah. But <laughs> if I am new and I am, if you've listened to my podcast with Dory Clark, we talk about free work, how free work is low risk for all parties involved. Yeah. If I do a good job, then it might be like, this is definitely worth paying for. And then maybe the word spreads or whatever. Yeah. But in the beginning, you are likely going to take more risks on relationships that are glasses that are half full. But like, how do you mitigate that? You know, when, when, I mean, here's what you're saying. Like, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone that, you know, it's not, it's not special or whatever, but they really appreciate what you can do for them. And you really want to help. And the offer is good and whatever, but like you start uncovering things. How do you mitigate that? So first, that makes it sound really like woo-woo, like, oh, how do you find the right person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, at the end of it all, it is technical because we've defined a business model Mm -hmm. that's based off of referrals that's already built in trust in our network. Mm -hmm. So when you approach it that way, yes, you're going to iterate from the beginning in your first client. Like, it could be an absolute disaster. You offload them, you find the next right person. You offload them, you find the next right person. Hopefully you find- Hold on a second. You want to offload someone, but you are still trying to establish your reputation. You know we're big on social proof. You're trying to get social proof. Like, how do you come to terms with that? Well, you got to be willing to make hard decisions for what your principles are and your core convictions for your company. And- if you're willing to cave on, I'm going to serve this person because the money is really good. And granted, we all have like thresholds of like, we have to make money and things like that. Sure. But for you and I, we're in a different situation where we didn't have those pressures as you know, the, you know, the past year to really get those things up and running. We were willing to offload anyone who wasn't really willing to play in the dirt with us. Including a client that represented four clients, essentially, yeah. in terms of finances. Yeah. Like, anyway. yeah. So, so I think... One, you have to define for yourself what your core convictions are. Either you are or you are not willing to entertain someone who's not going to serve you as a client as well. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to define those thresholds. What is your minimum viable amount of money that you have to be making? And then how can you get to the next iteration of security while making a plan for your offloading? So we did have to do that at one point, just a very, like maybe it was a one or one month bridge, I think of before we offloaded someone, but we had a plan for, hey, this is our end date. Oh yeah. So that also created a goal. Like we need to do X, Y, and Z before then to to make it sense. And that does not mean that if we didn't make that goal, that we would be like, we'll stick with you. Yeah. You know, even though you're making us miserable, that just means like, at least we know. Because the definition for us is not to settle. Yes. So you have a goal and you have a strategy to meet that goal. And sometimes you have to take a couple steps backwards to take a leap forwards. And so I, I think when you're starting and you're in that position of like, oh man, I have this client and they're an absolute train wreck. They're horrible to work with. You have to decide, is it worth the money? 
is your peace of mind, is the, you know, the struggle to produce or deliver, is that worth the money? And more often than not, it's going to be no. Yes. But it's never worth it. It's never worth it because in the long run, you've given up emotional margin, you've given up mental margin, you're stealing from your other clients because it doesn't matter if that client is paying the same package rate or whatever. If they're stealing your mental bandwidth and your energy in other areas, they're taking that away from the best work you could produce for the clients that aren't aren't giving you friction. We've known this through experience. <laughs> We've all been there. I'm laughing because it was just the other day <laughs> where I felt compelled to reach out to someone who enlisted us for our services. Um, it was it was kind of a one time thing. Uh, we did our thing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's no point in which we under delivered at all. I think we did everything we can, yeah. and I mean, really put our best foot forward, of mm-hmm. course. And and then it, it we watched, and I was just like, what is happening? Like they're not. They doing, took like, none of our guidance. We we gave <laughs> the blueprint. Well, they did in the beginning. Yeah. Briefly. Yeah. And then we gave, they have the blueprint. I mean, it's, you can reference it, whatever, not the blueprint, but for them, what we made for them specifically. And I'm like, I feel compelled to say something like, this is driving me crazy. I hate when this happens. And you're just like, nope. (laughs) You don't have the mental energy or bandwidth for that. And I was like, you're right. And ultimately I ended up doing it only because it was, that was part of it, but um, it happened to be someone my lovely wife knows as well, and, yeah. and, and she thought it would be beneficial. Well, it's also a personal relationship. So it, we, yeah, we slightly care personal for them. relationship. Yeah. But I want to go back to something. So you're talking about um, they're a train wreck and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm a new entrepreneur, if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm part of a startup team, what are those behaviors that um, we we or they should be looking out for, yeah. uh, whether whether they're quantitative or qualitative, yeah. uh, you know, like collaboration, like, you know, all those kinds of things, de- depending on whether they're service provided or product, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what do you think? Well, I look at it in a couple of different lanes. One is the people part. Like, are they good about observing boundaries? Are they texting you at 11 o'clock at night? Are they following the prescriptive standards that you've set across in terms of maintaining like client communications and like your framework for, hey, if you have any requests, send it to this email or, you know, send it here or call us at this phone number instead of like sending personal text messages at all all days and all hours. Um, you know, I think sometimes we're very fast paced and everyone is action oriented, especially when you're a certain phase of startup and everyone just wants to like bring everybody, everybody along on the journey and like fast forward to action. Yes, That's great. But there's certain like boundaries, like you have to respect that, you know, your service providers or, you know, your clients, like they have families and, you know, whatever. So um, I think that's the personal side is like, are they communicating clearly when they do communicate? Have they expressed and are they clearly articulating like what their goals are and what they want to see done? Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of that is the process part. So for us as service providers, if we've articulated like this is our process, this is what it looks like. Um, it's contextualized and individualized, but the process structure is X and Y and Z. If they're not willing to align with that, that creates a friction and attention. Our process is our process. And if you really want to go all out for the customer and the customer is always right type thing, then like, should there be flexibility in the process? And this is, look, this is me on the podcast telling you straight up that sometimes I'm like, Yes, we should deviate for the process to make them happy. Um, But at the same time, like the process is the process. And you and I both know Mm -hmm. that some of the processes, well, number one, they change and they're so fucking necessary. 
Because if not, then there's no standardization to anything you do, which is going to make what you want to do less repeatable. So that's going to produce a ton of inefficiencies. And then it's just going to be a negative client experience. So where are you on that in terms of processes and and being able to have them malleable? Yeah. Um, Well, I think you have to make judgment calls. And it's also based on the need of the day. Mm -hmm. So if the priority for any given client is X and Y and Z that we've co-articulated, we've said, you want to accomplish this, this is how we can get there with the content strategy. I think one, we have to have enough time in what the standard service is to understand, like, is it even working at our base level? True. So you have to make a, you know, a really informed decision of like, I can deviate, but I've already been working with them for four weeks. So I know that I have the amount of data to, you know, make an informed decision. I think the other part of that is sometimes you just make a judgment call. And I I think it's okay to make those judgment calls as long as it's not a habit, because if you're deviating consistently, then there's a problem. Um, So that's for us more important than it is for the client, because then the client is going to expect us to bend over all the time. Um, So that's, you teach people how to treat you. Let's, well, let's do an example then. So what if someone came to us where we keep our, we store everything on Google Drive and they're like, "Ah, I want to, I use Dropbox. I want to use Dropbox, just upload, you know, I'll upload my stuff there and blah, blah, blah. Where like, that's just a. That's a firm no. And the reason why it's a firm no is because that is our system and we maintain control of the assets that we create. If you were, if it was like a one-off client and they said to us, hey, we use Dropbox, can you just drop it in there? Mm -hmm. And it was like a one-time video, that's acceptable to deviate from. Mm -hmm. But if we open the door to one client and they say, well, we use Dropbox and then, so say you and I, we hire another person and they come on board and we're trying to train them and they're like, well, why does this one client have Dropbox? Mm -hmm. Then we have to have a whole different set of permissions, a whole different set of protocols, a whole different set of, you know, resources. Okay. And then we have another client that's like, hey, I use... um, you know, we transfer. Can we just use retransfer and we'll just download the native files here? I mean, it's any number of like catastrophes just waiting to happen. We have to have very, very stringent internal standards to to keep our integrity of our, our products too. So we've talked about behaviors. Yeah. Uh, we talked about deviating from processes. What else should people be on the lookout for? I think there's there's a couple different things. Actually, I think this is probably really good for us because we're still, I think, in the startup phase. Mm-hmm we are constantly iterating certain things as well. Yeah. And I think um, it can get, um, if not done well, um, certainly there's always room for improvement even for us, but if not done well of taking customers on the journey of like, hey, here are things that we've done up to this point. Mm-hmm. We've evaluated how things are changing and we want to be ahead of like kind of this next iteration. So that being the case, we've made a decision to do X and Y and Z, and this is how that impacts you. Now, do you mean internally or externally? So I, I think both. Mm-hmm. I think one is in our deliverable. So here's what the market is demanding. Here's what the platforms are doing. Here's how audiences are reacting to content. Um, so that would necessitate a shift in how we produce content, styles, um, different ways it's presented, different ways to, um, to optimize the algorithm. Right? And I just want to give an example really quick. Yeah. Like we decided that emojis uh, in some of the titles and borders for some of our clients were just like, you know what, like it does grab attention, but that's not their style. Yeah. It's not my style. Yeah. So we stopped. And I don't want to say like everything changed, but like there's certainly been an improvement. Like mm-hmm. two of our clients just had their best month ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it emoji related? No, but like they were probably just trusting us, but yeah. we were able to make the call and be like, you know what, I'm actually noticing like 
I just don't think they're actually necessary. I think you can grab the attention if we really focus on that first headline and a great title. Yeah. So that's an example of something internally we decided that actually affects the external, the, the deliverable. Yeah. Uh, but any other examples? I think another example would just be maybe more internal of yeah. like, hey, here are systems that we realized like don't work well. So we instituted a centralized email box so that yes. you weren't getting emailed all the time. Yes. I wasn't getting emailed yes. all the time. Um, and then that would facilitate an admin being able to really be the air traffic controller of, you know, how we move things. So sometimes that's just bringing clients along on the process. And that seems really small. But for us, because we are small, we have to be nimble. Mm -hmm. And to be efficient, we have to find the different little tweaks that we can have and implement at different periods of time to make sure that we're focusing on what needs to be focused on and managing our time appropriately. Yeah, I I didn't actually, and I want to talk through that decision. Um, Obviously, like you and I did not want our emails getting blown up all the time. But uh, the reason for having a client support kind of email, being even being this small, uh, was important, but how we presented it, which was not far from the truth at all, is that we will we will see that first. Yeah. Like we will know it's immediate, because if you're not if if you're contributing to my email influx and and all these inquiries and all these other things, that, and and these people are not clients. Um, these are invitations. These are podcast inquiries. These are uh, will you guess on the podcast and all these other things. Like it might get lost. Yeah. So this is good for you. This is good for us, but it's also good for you. So we can make sure that you get a response within 12 hours or less. So I think something like that, I don't fear in communicating, but we are coming up on another thing that we have to talk about, which we won't talk about here, but we're gonna have to make a change. Surprise. Yeah, it might. It, it's a change. And I know the clients love this offering that we have, but we have found it to be cumbersome, slight, yeah, cumbersome yeah. slightly problematic in terms of personnel to fill that, uh, some, having someone who could execute it, yeah. uh, et cetera. But, uh, Okay, so that was that, uh, and we're back on relationships. Actually, we haven't talked about ideating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hit, let's hit that. <laughs> well. I know. I, can, I, be, I, I just saw a million thoughts in your mind. Well, I mean, there's got to be left and right boundaries to ideating. And I think ideating takes different shapes. It's not just your business offering. I think ideating also is the amount of conversations you're willing to entertain in terms of, like, problem-solving but then it turns into like, oh, this idea came from that problem-solving discussion because it's someone who's external to your system. Yes. So um, I think ideating is good because I think it keeps your mindset fresh, but there's a healthy level and there's an unhealthy level of ideating. Right. And I, I really think that that just boils down to having the appropriate amount of people to hold you accountable and holding yourself accountable to like, I'm spinning my wheels on something that is not moving my business forward. But how do we approach this when it comes to clients who yeah. ideate? Um, who are ideating, we want to be supportive, yeah. but we also want to ensure that they have, they're, they're, we maintain clarity for them, yeah. um, but where's the point of diminishing returns and what does that conversation look like? Um, well, there's two things. One is we want to help our clients reach our goals, which is what you just said. And part of our responsibility in building the content strategy is giving legs to those goals by like literally putting words to like their vision. Okay. So when we're doing that, the way we do it is setting goals. And even if they're incremental, we're moving towards that vision that they're talking about. If all of a sudden in one of our conversations where we're consulting, they're like, oh, we're gonna take a hard left here. We're gonna leave that. We're gonna go here. It's our responsibility to hold them accountable to, wait a minute, this is your big picture vision that you've invested all this time, effort, energy into. Let's talk about how is that appropriate for you and just like let's really hash out like what is the big picture vision in this hard turn Mm -hmm. what are you trying to accomplish how is that you know differentiated from this 
original picture, big picture vision and really talking about the pros and cons and things like that. I think that's a really honest conversation of like, is that really where you want to be? Or is that just an idea that popped into your head? Are you willing to throw all of this investment away? And if you are, that's okay. But let's really talk about what that looks like. Because I, mean, I think that's a branding interaction too, of like, are you confusing your audience? Are you confusing you know, the people that follow you? Are you confusing the people that you serve? Yeah. I mean, this one, this one's interesting because I always instinctually know when an idea is complete dog shit. <laughs> um, you know, when someone brings it to us, and I don't need to be an expert in whatever, but one of our clients recently came to us with some sort of live streaming package bullshit that was like $3,000 a month or something. And I was like, are you out of your mind? Like StreamYard's $260 a well, year. Well, hold on a second though. I don't think, I think that that's more like they were enamored by a service. They were enamored by the fact that these people put five people on the call. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They rolled the red carpet out and they're like, I, I know exactly what, I don't even need to be there to know what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was like, what are your goals? Where do you want to be? How yeah. often do you want to be seen? Here's some of the people we've worked with. Like, we're talking live streaming. So the point is, ideating, you can ideate when you're new right, and drive yourself right into the ground. Yeah. Uh, because, and like, like we used to say in the Marine Corps all the time, like, there's the, the good idea fairy comes around all the time. And I think it's, it's, this is like a critical part of not only being a service provider, but being a leader. Yeah. And that is really crafting it to, to make not only, you know, logical sense, but to get the emotional response back to where it is. Because yeah. I think Tom Billy was talking about this. He's like, the reason people say sleep on it is because your brain's in an alpha state and blah, 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 blah. And like, you got to sleep and you got to wake up. So you can mm-hmm. be like, that is the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. So the point is this, um, when people ideate, and I do it all the time, um, I think it's important if, if, you, if you have clients that habitually do that, that's probably a red flag. Right. If you have clients who you are able to maintain clarity with and accountability with, I think you'll see less of that. Yeah. Um, because like you said, the perception from the outside, you want it to be consistent and you want to give it a really good go. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the discipline that they may lack by the excitement and the emotion of what they see or what people present is where you come in and you just have to kind of be that unbiased person. And we would never shit on an idea just to keep the client. Yeah, and I think that the balance to that is, and this is kind of what I was articulating on the front end of this, was you have to listen to what the idea is. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, before you were like, no, that's stupid. (laughs) You know, you really did entertain like, okay, what was the conversation? What were you looking at? Even though you have an instinctual reaction and you know where it was generated from on the other service providers standpoint, um, you already knew kind of what the end point was going to be. But at the same time, you were like, okay, how are you seeing this? And I did that because I was trying to put myself in their shoes and just be like, okay, like, could I get excited about this? And then obviously I just had to essentially do like a no shit comparison and just be like, is this really like that Gucci? Yeah. Or is it just, (laughs) I'll never forget. I met a gentleman in Big Bear a long time ago and he was just sitting at the bar he was English and really amazing dude. And he says, oh, we've been living here for years. And I was like, great. He's like, it's just simple up here. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like, I retired way earlier than I thought. And I go, what did you do? He goes, I sold a mediocre product that was packaged very nicely. And I was just like, God. And I was, I knew nothing about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
that is the thing. Yeah. Like you will find, and I say this all the time, the features of products and all these different things from ours to our competitors or a product, uh, a tripod, a camera are not that drastically different in the end, right? Like it's the people behind it. So I had to do the due diligence to just be like, okay, like, is this just really packaged in a ridiculous website or is there something else here that I'm missing? And I did not see anything at all that set me off to be like, this is groundbreaking. Yeah. Well, I think the other side to that story too, though, is that client trusts us enough to receive that feedback from us. And when we say like, no, that's probably not going to be a really good idea for you. And they were like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think I said hard pass. But I think that also goes back to the relationship. Which that I've we, never said. But I think that goes back to the relationship that we've built with our clients right. where they trust us when we say like, yeah, that's going to be non-negotiable hard pass. No, mm-hmm. like they're Almost always, I actually don't think that there's been any client that convinced us to like deviate from that. True. And we just keep on marching along. So I think as entrepreneurs, as business owners or whatever, I think that's another really important thing is like, let your yes be yes and your no be mean no. In terms of like, if a client comes to you with this ideation or this like, you know, the good idea fairy or whatever, and they're like this and you want to overserve or over deliver, but you're making an exception to your process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that eats into your bandwidth and, you know, it's an exception. If that's not your service offering, or even if it's not your wheelhouse or your space, like be willing to do the due diligence of doing the homework, making a comparison yeah. and just saying, hey, this isn't where you talked about where you wanted to be. This isn't my wheelhouse. I just don't think it's going to be a good fit moving forward. Even if that means the relationship has to end. Agree. So we were talking about uh, relationships and and kind of red flags, but then we we should finish or at least explore like what it looks like when things really go well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we've obviously picked up business during COVID. Yeah. Uh, we lost a little bit of business, but then like one of our major uh, clients, I would say. Um, they had to pivot like immediately. And I would say that you and I had internal conversations about like, I'm not sure we're like crushing it. Yeah. Um, We were a little bit outside of our wheelhouse, but I think we actually did an exceptional job. And then here we are and we had to pivot again. Um, But like, how does that build rapport? Like a lot of people could have been like, yeah, I'm out. Like, I I get it, but I'm out. Uh, What do you think about that? Well, one, you have to think that that's our like really ultimate high touch, one of our, our bigger clients. Um, not that we don't give this level of attention to all of them, but this is a client that like they come to specifically for consulting. So they are like, this is our relationship is to guide them in pivoting, guide them in their you know goals and ac- accomplishing them and helping define like what's in the market and where can we really make a dent. Yeah. Um, so in terms of COVID, how that's impacted their business and then, you know, these different things that they're working on, like that's what they're paying us for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for us to one, really care for them as people and their outcomes, um, that's part of like the necessary honesty that of us coming to the table and just saying, Hey, look, we've pivoted here. We've maxed out the way we can serve you in this pivoting season. So now let's look at what is the next iteration of our relationship look like? Sometimes that means adjusting the contract terms in terms of how much time we give to certain things. But, and more importantly, it gives clarity to what it is that they are individually chasing after. I think a bigger point here, and we talked about it earlier, is is the unbelievable transparency that oh, we yeah. have and how that, I don't care what you say, that is part of the unique value proposition. Because yeah. if we were scared, if we were scared, we would probably have 
short-term behaviors, uh, you know, deviate and have short-term outlook behaviors, meaning we would continue going down a path where we know we couldn't serve them as well because we knew we were going to get paid. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're like, we think we're limited here. This is what we think we could do. And you and I both knew that they could definitely come back and just be like, you know, like, yeah, like, never mind. Yeah. But we, we were able, we know we could, we could stomach that. Yeah. And I don't mean financially and I don't mean for the business. I just mean like as two people trying to serve, like we knew that was a possibility and we were okay with that. So the transparency is so unbelievably and largely important Mm -hmm. where, like you said, we're just like, I think we're at the end of the road with what we were doing here. Yeah. And then here's what we think we could do. Uh, What do you think about the transparency aspect? I mean, it's... It's paramount. Like, that's everything that we do. You know, it's our ability to say no. It's our ability to get people to open up. It's our ability to produce content that's vulnerable and authentic. I mean, that's a reflection of who we are as people. So naturally, our client interactions are going to reflect that value as well. Yes. Um, I was actually just thinking about, you're talking about that, about um, this conversation that I had back years and years and years ago. I had this, like, side gig where I ran, like, a whole team of people for this organization. And I ran the scheduling. And it would make sure it didn't matter if I was traveling or not. Like, I could do it all remotely. And I remember this one time, the person that I kind of reported to and giving them kind of the periodic updates was like, um, so so you can just like keep doing this even though you're on the road? And I was like, yeah. I was like, but I, I don't want to do this forever. I want to like hand it off at some point. Because the point is, I could see an end state being like, I should work myself out of a job because this is consulting. If you're good. If yeah. you're good, right? Like you set it up to where it's sustainable. You don't need me externally running a process that could be manned internally. Like there's hundreds of people literally inside your organization. Yes. And so I just, I think about that sometimes where like sometimes as business owners and entrepreneurs, especially service providers, you like, uh, one of our clients said this term yesterday and I'm like, it's so true. You squeeze the, the lemon to the point of like having no more juice. Mm. Right. So sometimes that's an idea. Sometimes that's a relationship, right? Yeah. Where you just like are completely honest and you're like, Hey, We've reached the end of the road. You know, the ideation has, you know, has got to stop or whatever. And if it were consistent over the lifetime of this client interaction, I mean, that's one thing. Like, they're just going to always ideate. And certainly there's a, an, an element of, like, walking through, like, a client journey because it's always going to evolve. <laughs> so you have to evolve with them if you're going to provide them a service. But if companies are going to be growing and if we're working with companies that are a certain stage of existence, so they have, you know, a certain amount of team members or a certain amount of services that they provide, if they're in a stage of expansion, eventually they're going to be hiring staff. Yes. And so our goal is to always kind of understand where they're at in their not just their business but also like what their needs are. Yep. Of eventually you're going to internalize this process and this system. Are you set up to do that? Um, or, or just beyond that, like, you know, uh, eventually if your goal is to stay this size because you can continue expanding externally by like franchising or licensing or things like that, and you can run it without having this massive front office, yeah. those are two different business models that we can still serve really well, but one is finite. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this particular client and, uh, for example, you know, right now they don't have a huge front of front office. So we're running alongside them just as fast as they are and helping them execute all the things that they can do. And, you know, sometimes it's shooting the crocodile closest to the boat Yeah. and that's just the, the nature of the beast. But the bottom line is because we have a relationship built on, you know, trust, transparency, and vulnerability, we can be honest about, Hey, these are the things that are not serving you well right now. And they can likewise return back to us. Like, Hey, 
here's an idea that we had. We didn't really like this. Let's try to solve this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the best kind of client relationship because it's completely, uh, it's completely open. What would you say, um, and this will be the final question, what would you say is one of the other that sticks out in your mind, crucial factors that enables us to have and maintain really good client relationships? I think, I think this might change over time, but probably not. But I think a response to that question is we're really accessible for being as busy. For, and this is a blessing and a curse. Yes. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, especially startups, they'll face this. But I think this is the nature of what sets us apart and is a market differentiator for us is the fact that we are accessible. Like any one of our clients can call either one of us at any given time. And in fact, it's not just our clients. It's like people that are connected to us on LinkedIn. Like people know that they can reach out to you and you're going to respond. Mm -hmm. And I think that accessibility is kind of a hallmark Mm -hmm. of um, being willing to just provide value as, you know, as a value. And so when I, when I think about that in terms of like, progressing or moving forward and things like that. I'm just kind of like, that's, that's kind of what sets us apart, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. accessibility. Um, and when I say it's a blessing and a curse, like sometimes it's like, okay, so many people are reaching out. Like, how do I really manage that? Yeah. But I'd rather have more people beating down my door and asking for my insight and opinion. Cause that tells me I'm still doing something right. I agree. Yeah. And, and I also agree like big time, like that, that will probably change. But um, as the, the business owner, it's like, okay, that doesn't mean it doesn't need to fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. There's just going to be different manners and mechanisms. And this is obviously part of like the visionary integrator relationship. And it's just like, okay, like we know this is a, this is one of the intangibles. Yeah. Uh, we know that people actually enjoy talking to us. We know that people like, I don't think there's a question we get that we can't answer almost immediately. Yeah. Even if it's just them running an idea by us. Like I think you and I are able to think through super quick uh, why it could be good, why it could be bad, and we'll get back to you with some more information after we've looked at it. You know what? It. I actually think that that's, um, I think that's also related to instincts. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you talk about, you know, like you don't have a lot of experience in marketing and sales and all these different things, but you have really, really good instincts. And that's, you know, been honed over years in your military career and all these other things that have taught you like how to really read people well, how to be sensitive to people's emotions, and how to really like, read the room. Mm. So I think those instincts really drive people because we have an intrinsic understanding of people's motivations, Mm. which is what drives business ultimately. It's supply and demand. And so when people come to us and they don't have, not necessarily that they don't have the sensitivity, but the sensitivity to like products, offerings, or services, which creates confusion sometimes, our instincts are already razor sharp in that sense uh, because we're combining those two things of our instincts about people and our knowledge about service and programs. And I think the instincts about people actually plays a very heavy part in us realizing the longevity of the potential of this business relationship because um, I, I think... I think anyone uh, in a position like us who are starting up and, and working their way out, outwards to, to getting bigger, they will discover that people's visions and goals and motivations mm-hmm. change or are exposed mm-hmm. as time goes on. Um, you know, example is, you know, when, when a client has a viral video, so to speak, and then all of a sudden they want everything to be viral and they are willing to do things that are not in line with anything we've ever discussed in order to do so. Yeah. Um, you know, being viral means, means nothing. nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> it means nothing to yeah. you. It means nothing to us. It means nothing for them ultimately. And it absolutely doesn't mean anything for the business yeah. per se. 
Um, but I think I think you're right about that. Um, the instincts certainly play a part because you will be able to ascertain a little bit better understanding of, like I said, the longevity because you're like, I actually see, I, I see the motivations here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when it just comes back to being value-based when it comes in uh, terms of our clientele. Yeah. And if we share values, we're able to see it and we know that we'll be able to have a good long-standing relationship. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some nuggets out of that. And look, we're raw. We have nothing to hide. We want you to win. So if you did, or if you think you could win a little bit better, fail a little bit less because of some of the things you heard, then definitely do me a favor and tell some friends about the podcast. Tell some veterans about the podcast and rate it and review it because that is what will help us just be seen and heard more. Um, And that's all we want to do. We are here to serve. We want to serve you. It's not about numbers and popularity. This is about serving as many people as we can. So thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.